0: to give. That's what i to talk about today. I'm grateful to give. My brothers and sisters, while I was growing up, I had two favorite candies. One was the big blow bubble gum. It was this candy that had very little bubble gum, but this hard candy shell. And by the time you get to the bubble gum, you never could actually blow a bubble with the bubble gum. But it just happened to be one of my favorite candies. Candies and the other ones was this fruit chew candy, one that has assorted flavors of wild cherry and green apple and blue raspberry. And I've discovered, Sister Anita, that several years ago that they only actually would begin to sell this particular candy um, during the Halloween season. Walked into the store one day and I saw it and had not seen this candy, Brother Andy, in about 10 plus years. The manager of the store. Informing that they only sell it during the, the um, Halloween season. And so it has become a tradition of mine that every Halloween season I would go to the store to purchase this particular fruit chew candy. And this year, it literally slipped my mind, Brother David. I, I just don't know what happened. I was busy. But I remember on November the 1st, it came back to my mind that the candy is only sold during this particular season of the year. And I'm really at a paradox because I really don't need the candy, uh, but I really want the candy. I, I know you don't have any vices like that, but but I, I had just decided, Sister Blake, that I want the candy, and here it is. It's November the first, so chances are I could have missed the season that the candy was being sold. So I decided I was going to go to the store. It's November the first, so anybody here who knows about. November the 1st know that the day after Halloween the candy is 50% off. So in my mind I can buy double the amount of candy that I was going to buy in the first place because it's 50% off and they only sell it during this season of the year. And so I walked in there, Jockevas, into the store, Brother Darrow, and to my utter surprise, I did not see the candy. I began to rebuke the devil, and I told him that he was a liar, that they only sell it during this season, and he knew that it was my appointed time to come in here to get this candy. And I'm becoming very disturbed, very discontent in my spirit because I cannot get this particular candy that they sell during this season. Here it is, as I'm making my way to dash towards the door, I discover that for the last time, I'm going to look in the sharpening cart at the front of the store where they have all of the Halloween candy 50% off. And lo and behold, I discovered that they had two sharpen carts of the candy that I like. But I was about to miss out on this opportunity. I was about to miss out on what I came looking for because I had a preconceived perception of how the package was supposed to be wrapped. All the way from my childhood up until last year, the candy was wrapped in the same package. So when I walked into the store, I came looking for a particular package only to discover that the manufacturer had shifted and changed the packaging. That's kind of how many people missed out on Jesus Christ because they had preconceived perception on the type of Messiah that Jesus was supposed to be. The Jews thought that he was going to be one of military might, one who was going to restore them to political proudness. And so they had a preconceived perception on how Jesus Christ was supposed to be packaged. They they were still under the dispensation of the law because the Old Testament is really described as being under the dispensation of the law that really pointed out to us what we were able to do and what we were not able to do. And they were there discovering that things were wrapped in justice, an eye for an eye, and you know, two for a two. But God had transitioned in the New Testament from from law to justification by faith through grace, and here it is, people were still wanting law when God had moved to grace. But I'm grateful that we serve a God that has moved and to the dispensation of grace. For those of you who are still not there yet, let me describe for you and define for you what grace is. Great grace, brother Bill, is the unmerited favor of God, it means that it is not something that we we earn. But it is something that God gives to us. There's nothing that we can do to get grace. There's no application that we can fill out. There's no school that we can go There no classes that we can take. There's no amount of money that we can pay to get grace. The only thing is that God decides who he's going to great give grace to and put grace on our lives. Brother Richard, grace really is God giving us what we do not deserve. Deserve. And I'm looking at people now. Matter of fact, I'm looking at all of us now that all of our lives can be described and summarized by being covered by the grace of God. I know you got the plaques on the wall. I know you sat in the classroom. I know you think your name is great, but let me just go here and burst your bubble for a moment. All that we have and all that we shall be is only because of the grace of God. If the truth be told, you know that you didn't do everything right. If the truth be told, you cannot say that every day of your life, you woke up and you did the right thing. You got to admit that at some point in my life, it was only the grace of God that protected me. When I was in the club, when I was in the world, it was only by the grace of God and so here it is my brothers and sisters that understand that everything that we have accomplished in this life is because of the grace of God somebody still don't believe that so the Bible gives us some particularities about grace first of all sister T let me remind us about the saving grace of God when you read Ephesians chapter two verse eight through ten it says these words for it is by grace that we have been saved through faith this is not from yourselves for it is is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. What Paul writes to the church of Ephesians is that none of us have any bragging or boasting rights because all of our identity is connected to Christ, that we are saved by the grace of God. And let me just remind somebody that the word saved literally means to be rescued, to be delivered. And that means that God has saved Saved all of us and God has delivered all of us from something the Bible says that we have been saved from the devil. We were in the devil's custody that we used to walk in darkness and sin used to have dominion over us but God has saved us and that's why the hymn writer can sing amazing grace how sweet the sound that saved us. Is there anybody here who knows about God's amazing grace that the mere fact that you are saved is only because of the grace of God but then Paul says for we are his handiwork created in Christ Jesus it simply means that God has his hand on our life and that's why you ought to praise God because what you need to let your neighbor know is that the reason I am who I am is because God hand this me you don't want God to take his hand off of me because you don't want to see the person who I used to be but if it had not been for God's grace that was on my life that has saved. Is there anybody here saved and you're not ashamed to admit that that's God's saving grace? But I saw something else in the Bible, message. Not only are we a recipient of God's saving grace, but we are also a recipient of God's sustaining grace. Paul writes to the church of Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul says, In order to keep me, Jonathan, from becoming conceited or arrogant, narcissistic from keeping me from walking with my nose in the air keeping people from thinking that there was more to me than what you see he says I was given a thorn in my flesh and he said three times I, I prayed to God for God to remove the thorn out of my flesh and every time God says no I prayed and God said no I prayed and God said no I'm looking at somebody now you're praying for God to deliver you you're praying for God to take you out of that situation take you out of that job and God has said no I'm going to give you something better than taking you and removing you I'm going to give you my sustaining grace and Paul said God responded by saying my grace is sufficient is there anybody in here who knows that God's grace is sufficient and that's your testimony now because people are scratching their head trying to figure out why you're not crying trying to figure out why you still got a smile on your face trying to figure out why your knees are not buckling because of what you're going through and you got to tell them it's not because of who I am but it's because of the grace of God that's on my life that his grace is sufficient that's God's sustaining grace but Gerald there's something else that, that there is God's sanctifying grace that God, God says that when I save you I change your life instantly I brought you out of darkness and put you in the marvelous light but I know that every day that you wake up you are not going to die every eye and cross every T. so I give you sanctifying grace that is his progressive grace that I give you every day through the power of my Holy Spirit to make you better today than you were on yesterday. Is there anybody in here who thank God for his sanctifying grace because your testimony is this. I thank God I'm not where I want to be but I so praise God that I'm not who I used to be because of God's sanctifying grace. I used to cuss every day but now I cuss every now and then. It's because of his sanctifying grace grace I wish y'all would let me preach today that Paul says that when you look at your life cue that you and I are uh, a recipient of the grace of God. God saving grace. God sanctifying grace. God sustaining grace. But Paul is not talking about these minutes of need in the text. Paul now moves to sharing grace. What Paul is trying to say to you and I. Paul is trying to say that I know that we are masters of receiving grace. But I want you to have this same gratitude about reliving grace and sharing grace in somebody else's life that I know you can shout over being saved. I know you can shout over God's sustaining grace. I know that you can shout over God sanctifying grace, but is there anybody in here that's mature enough to shout over God's sharing grace? That it ain't about what God is doing for me, but it's about what God is doing through me. Is there anybody in here that you can look over your life and you can Say, God, I thank you for softening up my heart to be able to be used by you to share the grace that's on my life with somebody else. That's where our text find us today our text find us today because when we look at this Paul is essentially saying that when we look at how good God has been to us when we look at how God has hooked us up that we ought to be grateful to be in position to give because watch this look at what he says first of all for your handouts he says that generosity is an outpouring of our gratitude to God look at verse number seven it's there on your screens in the King James version it says This it says, every man according as he has purpose in his or her heart. So let him or her give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a what sheer forgiver. Now what leaves me scratching my head to say I this. When I think about how good God has been to me. When I think about how good God has been to me by saving me and sustaining me and sanctifying me. It leaves me scratching my head when I look at sour saints. When I look at devious disciples. When I look at bitter believers who come to God's church like they don't have the joy of Jesus in their life. That there ought to be something wrong with this picture that if God lets you survive the week that you had and then you come up in his house there ought to be somebody that's excited about this is the day that the Lord has made and we shall rejoice and be glad in it and Paul is saying this that when we think about the goodness of Jesus and when we think about how it is there ought to be an attitude of gratitude can can somebody just stop and and give God crazy plays in this place because you just had a flashback over how good God has been to you. That you, I know you came in here with problems on your mind, thinking about your job, thinking about your daughter, thinking about your marriage, but God has just invaded your will, invaded your spirit to remind you that I brought you through too much for you to sit here and be bitter and be sour and be devious. Don't you know that I have saved? you and you got to give me praise. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. But 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 when I look at this text and Paul was perplexed like me. Because Paul is talking to the saints of God in this text. He's not talking to sinners. And look at the words that Paul used. Paul, Paul says, when it comes to being generous, he says that first of all, we should not, watch well, this. says, give grudgingly. This word grudgingly literally means to give with grief. To give with sorrow, to give with sadness, which is really an indication of the attitude of depression or regret. And Paul says, when people are giving grudgingly, they are doing it because they feel, Watch this, a duty or an obligation. But Paul says, God does not want you to give grudgingly. He says, But God does not even want you to give out of necessity. What Paul is trying to say is this I hate to bust your but God really don't need you, that God can go around you, that God can work through other people, that Paul said, I don't want you to feel like it is a necessity that God can do it without you, that he said, I don't want you to feel the external pressure of giving, but here's what he says you should have, he says, for God loves a what? A cheer forgiver that God loves. Why? this people with a smile on their face. Because when you have a smile on your face, that means that you have a smile in your heart. Because whatever is in your heart is gonna show up on your face. Priest Pastor T and God is trying to say it's a heart issue because the attitude of the giver is more important than the amount of the gift. I don't care if all you have is a dollar, you want to run around this altar. With a smile on your face. Because what you say is, I remember when I didn't have anything to give. But thanks be unto God that I have something to give now. Paul says, Paul says, Paul says, it's your attitude. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, it's your attitude. Your attitude is more important than the amount of your gift. But I saw something else in the text. I wish I had more time, Paul. The, the second point of the text is that God directs grace to the grateful giver. It, it's a grateful giver, not 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 the one that is giving out of necessity, not not the one that is giving grudgingly with necessity with a bad attitude. He says, "Watch what happened." He says. God directs grace. Look at verse 8. I put it on the screen. It says, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you. Let, let, let me read it to you. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you let me read it one more time I, maybe we need to put a screen up that says shout now because obviously you, you you guys are a little slow this morning it says and god is able to make all grace abound towards you you you, you know what that means that 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 means i know what it is i, I know i know i know why y'all didn't shout Because some of y'all think I'm talking about Confucius. Some of y'all think I'm talking about Buddha. Some of y'all think I'm talking about Allah. But he says, and God, you you do know he's talking about El Elyon, the most high God. He, he, He is talking about El Shaddai. The Lord God Almighty, who has all power in his hand. He's talking about Jehovah Jireh, the Lord that can provide. Is there anybody in here who knows that the Lord can provide? He's talking about Jehovah Rophe, the God that can heal your body. He is talking about Jehovah Nisha, the God that can fight your battle. He is talking about Jehovah Tzikhanu, the Lord who is your righteousness. All I'm trying to tell you is the God that we serve It's able, let me just cut across the field. Grandma would say it like this. The same God that turned water into wine. The same God that raised Lazarus from the dead. The same God that fed 5,000 men with two fish and five loaves. It's the same God that's able to make grace abound towards your life. Okay. All right. All right. Let me see if I can help you this way. Let me see if I can help you this way. What it's saying is this. That if grace, watch this, was really going to travel down this path. But because the God that we serve is able, it means that God controls the direction and the flow of grace. That even though you're over here, because you serve God, God can make that thing zigzag and come find you when you weren't looking for it. And that ought to be somebody's testimony is this, that grace has found you when you weren't looking for grace. I wish y'all would let me preach in here today, that there ought to be somebody in here that can run and shout. Say, Pastor T, I know you're right about that thing, because I was minding my own business. Didn't know how I was going to pay my bills, but grace showed up in the mailbox. Grace showed up on the phone, and you want me to sit quiet in church when I think about the grace of God all my life? there's somebody in here there's somebody in here you gotta be honest you gotta tell them you know that job I have I didn't qualify for the promotion I got I really didn't qualify for you wanna know why it's because God directed grace to find me can you just high five two people on your road and say you don't have to look for grace but grace will find you grace will find you. you. You can be in the wilderness, but grace will find you. You can be overlooked, but grace will find you. Uh, y'all sit down for a moment. Sit down for a moment. Sit down for a moment. Because the passage reveals that two people are in control Of how grace is released in our lives. That's why my brothers and sisters, you don't have to come to church to hate on someone who is living a grace-filled life because the text states that we don't control the flow of grace. We just walk in the flow. That y- all you got to understand is this. Don't you get mad with the grace on my life because you don't know what I had to give. You don't know what I had to sacrifice. You don't know what I had to go through to get this grace on my life because I didn't apologize for my gift because I didn't apologize for my generosity. I'm not going to apologize for the grace that's on my life. Ah, uh, oh yeah. But the way it says, Look what it says there, two people are in control. The text says first of all, first of all grace is released based upon the attitude of the giver. It says for God loves a here for giver. Your attitude will determine your attitude. But then it says that grace is also released according to verse 8 based upon the action of God. That, that what, what, what this simply means is this. That when we do our part, we free God up to do his part. Can I just come down your alley for a moment? Can I boil down your lane for a moment? So, guess what? When we don't do acts of generosity, the only person that we are hurting is self. Because God is saying this. If you release it, I promise you, I give you more to be another blessing. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Y'all don't believe me. You, 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 You think I'm making this up? I knew I was coming to this service today, y'all deep. So I said, God, why? Why do you release grace? Why do you release grace? God says, go back and read verse 8 again. I said, okay, I'll go back and read it again. He says, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. Somebody's missing. God, God says, the reason that I release grace, because I never want that to be a time in your life that you don't have all sufficiency and all things he says because I have to get you to a place that your life will always get me glory I ain't giving you grace for you to boast I'm giving you grace that I can get the glory out of your life because I want your testimony to be this I want it to be just like David I once was young but now I'm old But I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor their seed begging for bread. Is there anybody in here who know, like I know, that God will take care of his home? That I don't have to beg, I don't have to scheme, I don't have to scandal. All I have to do is be faithful to God, and God will provide. I wish I had more time. Look at verses 10 and 11. 10 and 11 says this. About how God will provide. It said God will supply you with seeds. It said he that gives seeds to the sower. But God says when I give you these seeds. And you put these seeds in motion. Look what else I'll do according to verse 10. Not only will I give seeds to the sower. But I'll also give you surplus of seeds. Because he said, I will multiply. I wish somebody got this thing today. That I will multiply your seeds. But not only would God say, will I supply you with seeds and give you a surplus of seeds. But he said, I will also sanctify your seeds. That he then says in verse 11, that I will also sustain your seeds. Thank God (laughs) for his grace. But I don't want somebody to think that it's all about money. It's all about the tangible blessings. Because for your hand out, the blessings of generosity extend beyond finances and into faith. Y'all bear with me here. It says the text is clear that financial blessings will flow to those who sow seeds of generosity. However, when we read the text more closely, the blessings are not limited to financial and tangible blessings. Matter of fact, there are blessings that are attached to our generosity that far exceeds the creature comforts of life. Plainly stated, my brothers and sisters, the blessings have significant faith implications. Giving and acts of generosity, watch this, have always been. And always will be a faith issue, according to verse nine. Look at, put it on the screen. According to verse nine, generosity is a righteous act. In other words, part of righteous living is our obedience to giving. With an attitude of gratitude. But look at the commentary on Christian believers and the documentary on disciples when we are great forgivers. Put verse 12 on the screen. The Bible says that when you and I are obedient, when it comes to generosity, three things will happen. First of all, it says others are served. Look at verse 12. Verse 12 says this. Verse 12, as it comes on the screen, says. That we are actually serving the Lord's people. Notice our acts of kindness and generosity are not to be self-serving but a service to other people. That there, there's no greater feeling, my brothers and sisters, than when we serve others and see them blessed. This was evident on Friday right here at this church when we served over 500 turkeys to members in this community. That there was an opportunity, my brothers and sisters, to be a blessing. And that's why we ought to get excited because others are being served. But not only are others being served, the Bible says in verse 13, that others see God through your sacrifice. That when you and I are sowing acts of generosity with our talent, with our time, and with our treasure, that some, some of the only Bible that people will ever read will be our lives. That's why one of my favorite Bible verses, it's John 1 and 14. It says, and the word became flesh and dwell among men. That my brothers and sisters, what these verses show is that the gospel must become flesh to people so that they can see and encounter God we can't speak about God if we are not willing to show people the God in us remember the words of Jesus Christ Jesus said "If, if somebody is hungry sing them a song he didn't say that he said if somebody is hungry feed him or her he said if somebody is naked pray a long prayer that's not what he said he said if somebody is naked you need to provide clothing for him or her. If somebody is homeless you need to tell them to turn around for three days and when they come down God gonna rain a house out the sky. He said no, you need to provide them with shelter and I wanted to ask God why do we need to do all these things? He says because I need people to know that I am real and how you convince people that I am real is when you let them see the God in you. But didn't I saw something else? Not only do others seek God through your sacrifice. Verse 14, it says others seek God on the sower's behalf. Others seek God on the sower's behalf and even greater testimony is that when we are obedient and faithful in acts of generosity the text states that our seeds produce more spiritual seeds that we may be unaware of it states that our generosity become a thanksgiving to God and people begin to praise God on our behalf people become so thankful over our expression of love that not only do they praise God but the Bible says they pray on our behalf because of the grace that's on our lives. My brothers and sisters, don't you understand that? Haven't you been there when you've given somebody something and they said, I bless God for you? Don't you know that's a prayer over your life? Don't you understand? They said, I didn't know how these are gonna make it, but here it is. You brought me this Thanksgiving dinner now, my family can eat. I bless God for you. Don't you know that's a prayer? And God dropped this in my spirit that we are standing on prayer prayers that we didn't even know people have been praying for us, that your seeds touch the hearts of people, and you got people in the streets, you got people who you don't even know that have been praying for you, and you are a recipient of people praying for you that you don't even know, but let me cut across the field because I'm out of time. Not only are we recipients of other people's prayers, but we have been recipients of the greatest grace field prayer ever, because the Bible says in verse 15 that we have been the recipient of God's prayer let me read verse 15 to you and I'm getting out of here it said thanks be unto God For this indescribable gift, I told you, we need a screen to put on there that says, shout now. Because what that simply says is this, that God expressed his gratitude to us through the gift of Jesus Christ. And let me remind somebody, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him shall not perish, but shall have everlasting life. And let me remind somebody, that God has given us the best in Jesus Christ. So we should be grateful to give out of the grace that we have received. That gratitude must be expressed. That when God wanted to express his gratitude to us, that he expressed it through the gift of Jesus Christ. And Paul and Peter tells us, my brothers and sisters, as I hasten to close, that one of the ways that we express our thanksgiving and gratitude to God is is this is that you have to remember who you are he says but you are a chosen generation that you are a royal priesthood that you are a holy nation a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who have called you out of darkness into his marvelous light in other words peter is saying this that we gotta show some signs that anybody who come in this house ought to be filled with praise because you remember where you used to be, that you used to be in darkness, but now you are in the light. Let me see if I can help y'all here. There was a deacon at the church called Bennett Union Baptist Church when I served there in Georgia. And he said to me as I worked at the pump and paper mill, he says, I've never seen anybody go into a sawmill and then come out with any sawdust on him or her. He said the evidence that you had been at the sawmill is that sawdust is going to be on your life. I've never seen anybody be saved and don't have the grace of God on their life. And Paul and Peter says this, when you recognize that you have grace on your life, that you ought to show forth the praises. If something has happened in your life, you ought to be able to show some signs. If God has been good to you You ought to be able to show some signs. Grandma would say it like this. If you can't holler, at least you ought to wave your hand. Is there anybody in here that came to show God how thankful you are, how grateful you are? I dare you to open up your mouth and let a holler come out. I dare you to open up your mouth. Oh God, thank you. I dare you to open up your mouth and give God crazy praise because you're grateful for his grace. You're grateful that you're saved. You're grateful that you're redeemed. And the Bible says, let the redeem of the Lord say so. You better open up your mouth. God has been too good to you. You better open up your mouth because this is the day that the Lord has made. And I came to tell God, no rock is going don't cry out for me. You saved me. You delivered me. You sanctified me. You sustained me. So when I make it to the house of God, I got to holler. I got to scream. I got to dance because I want God to know I'm thankful. There shouldn't be somebody in here that's thankful for Jesus Christ. There should be somebody in here. That this praise ain't for a car this praise ain't for a promotion but it's for Jesus Christ I'm out of time 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 everybody stand go ahead and give it to him go ahead and give it to him Go ahead and give it to them. Peter said, show forth the praises. Show forth the praises. You know how it is. You get your new car. You want to put your glide. You want to show everybody when you got that new dress. But this showcase ain't for the car. It ain't for the Michelle watch you got on. It ain't for the Tiffany necklace you got on. But this shout is to show God you're thankful that you're saved. Come on, you ought to be able to praise God better than that. You're saved. You're saved yesterday. You're saved today. You're saved tomorrow. You're saved next week. And when the Lord calls you home, you're still going to be saved. Grab that neighbor by the hand. 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 hand you're in here today you're in here today and you've heard us talk about the attitude of gratitude you've heard us talk about the joy of Jesus you've heard me say that God gave Jesus Christ as our gift and we have the choice to accept the gift are to receive the gift if you've never accepted that gift yet you have been rejecting him but today you heard something and you want to accept this indescribable gift remember Paul says by grace are we saved you you don't deserve it none of us deserve it but God wants to give it to you God wants to see you saved if you're ready to accept that gift squeeze that neighbor hand three times one for the Father, one for the Son, one for the Holy Ghost you want to receive that gift of Jesus Christ perhaps you're here you've accepted that gift but you've strayed away from it you put him in the closet really God you know it was in there you had not really been living your life for me. something you heard today has pricked your heart to say I need to reconnect with that gift and I want to do it here at the fountain of new life because I like the flavor and the flow of the fountain squeeze that hand three times you want to connect with the fountain worship this gift praise this gift, serve this gift Through the fountain of new life, squeeze that head three times.